Shalom, shalom, shalom. Welcome, world changers. Tonight, we're going to get into Numbers chapter 27 through 32. And uh, so we're going to be getting towards the very end of the book of Numbers. I think one more day should do it, Lord willing. So yeah, we're going to get into that. As always, answering your questions and your comments along the way in the chat on on, uh, YouTube. We have Kalamentos says, Shalom, everybody. Shalom. 1 John 2.26. Good evening and shalom. Good evening and shalom to you. Welcome. Question for move form for move. Uh says good. I suppose referring to the music. Second first say says good evening and shalom. Good evening and shalom to you. Byron says shalom. Shalom. Welcome, Byron, as always. Psalm 94 says shalom, everyone. Shalom, Psalm 94. Question says, uh, Mr. Enoch, could you do gospels study? Um, actually, I have done the gospel study uh, on my YouTube channel. Uh, went through every single word from Matthew all the way through to the very end of the book of John. Although I didn't do it in a live format, I still went through every single word and commented on everything uh, along the way. So um, if you if you want to, you can check out some of those archived, some of those old videos from, uh, I must, it must be several years ago now, at least three, four years ago, at least. Um, actually, it would have been a lot more than that. It would have been about uh, six, no, how many years ago now? Several years ago. Uh, so yeah, I did go through every one of those. Lord willing, we will do that again in the future on, on live format. Well, we, uh, you know, after we get through the Tanakh, uh, Lord willing, we'll go through uh, the Gospels again uh, through uh, with our live stream. Uh, thank you for that question. Thank you for that question. Question. Uh, KMJJ says, good evening and shalom all. Good evening. Shalom to you. Blessings multiplied as well. So question for move says, okay, thank you. You're welcome. The Great Deception. Said shalom everyone, shalom, the great deception. Welcome, good to see you again, brother. Okay, let's get into Numbers chapter twenty-seven. We're going to read all the way through to thirty-two, and of course, discuss on the way. Lord willing, we'll get through the book of Numbers by tomorrow night, and then we'll start on the book of Deuteronomy, which is a very, very awesome book, as you all know. So let's get into this. This is Numbers chapter twenty-seven. Verse 1, then the daughters of Zelophehad, the son of Hefer, uh, the son of Gilead, the son of Machir, the son of Manasseh, of the tribes of Manasseh, the son of Joseph or Joseph, came forward, and these are the names of his daughters, Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milka, Tirzah. They stood before Moses, before Eliezer. Before the leaders and all the congregation of the at the entrance of the tent of meeting, saying, Our father died in the wilderness. Yet he was not among the group of those who gathered together against the Lord in the group in the group of Korah, but he died in his own sin, and he had no sons. Why should the name of our father be withdrawn from among his family simply because he has he had no son? 
Give us property among our father's brothers. So Moses brought their case before the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, The daughters of Zelophehad are right about their statements. Notice how God is... is you, you, you find this from time to time, right? Even in uh, another part of the Torah where it talks about how if you have a brother and his and the brother dies without leaving it, without any children, you know, that the brother of the brothers should marry the wife, the widowed wife, uh, and produce offspring uh, basically to preserve his name. So it seems like a very, very important thing to the Lord to have that lineage, to have the... Pre- to have that preserved, um, it's a very, very honorable and important thing in the eyes of God to have a lineage. Uh, so in this case, we have this uh, this father who didn't have any sons, and so he didn't he didn't have any sons through which to preserve his name and to continue that that lineage, and so. The daughters who came to Moses were uh, brought a very, very important and um, legitimate point, and the Lord honored that. So again, the verse, verse uh, seven. This is what the Lord said to Moses: uh, The daughters of Zelophehad are right about their statements. You, sh- you shall certainly give them hereditary property among their father's brothers, and you shall transfer the inheritance of their father to them. Furthermore, you shall speak to the sons of Israel, saying, if a man dies and has no son, then you shall transfer his inheritance to his daughter. And if he has no daughter, then you shall give his inheritance to his brothers. If he has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to his father's brothers. And if his father has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to his nearest relatives in his own family, and he shall take possession of it. And it shall be a statutory ordinance to the sons of Israel, just as the Lord has commanded Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go up to this mountain of Abarim and see the land which I have given to the sons of Israel. When you have seen it, you too will be gathered to your people, just as Aaron, your brother, was. For in the wilderness of Sin, where Zin, during the strife of the congregation, you rebelled against my command to treat me as holy before the eyes, before their eyes at the water. These are the waters of Meribah, of Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin. So let me just stop here for a second before we get into the next um, the next uh, the next part here. So when Moses struck the rock, instead of speaking to it, God said that that he that Moses did not tr- treat him as holy before the eyes uh, of the, of the children of Israel. Uh, I suppose in the sense that Moses was commanded to speak to it, and he didn't. He struck it in anger. Um, also, again, it could have been because of the fact that he thought that God would do the same thing as he did in the past in the same way, like, you know, kind of following a methodical approach uh, as opposed to actually just doing what God said, even though it's something new and fresh and something different. 
Moses just kind of did what he knew, what was familiar with him. So in that sense, he did not treat God as holy. He did not obey him. And so because of that, Moses missed out on going into the promised land. He was able to see it from a mountain, but not actually enter into it. And you notice here as well that God let Moses know exactly when he would pass away. It was no secret. It was nothing. It was no suddenly. Um, it wasn't. It didn't happen suddenly. And you notice this as well throughout uh, the scriptures. We have a lot of, like the patriarchs and the men of God. They they knew when they were going to die. They knew. And so, I mean, it could be a, a blessing to know so. I never forget when I was a teenager. Actually, I was 18 years old. Um, and at the, where I used to live, there was, um, every once in a while, I would, I would go down to the local post office. And in the post office, there would be, um, I don't know what you would call it. Not an obituary, but they'd have cards that would, they would put out on the counter of people who passed away uh, in the community. And I'll never forget this. There were three cards this one day. I went there. It's the only time I ever remember it clearly. Three cards of three people that passed away. One said, suddenly, so-and-so, you know, suddenly, so-and-so you know, passed away at such and such, you know, a day, probably was like the day before. Um, so one said, suddenly, this person passed away. The other one said, tragically. And that one that said tra tragically is actually somebody that um, I used to uh, go to school with and he got, uh, he got ran over. Uh, it was an accident. <laughs> wow. He got ran over by a by a, by a vehicle is what happened. So um, and so that one was a tragical, a tragic, excuse me, tragically. Um, and then the other one was peacefully. And I remember, and th this is about the time when I've just started walking with the Lord. And I'm, I remember looking at those three cards. I'm thinking suddenly, tragically, peacefully. And I thought, you know, basically. We fit in, we will fit in one of those three categories. It will either be sudden, tragic, or peaceful. And in the case of Moses here, we see it, it was a peaceful thing. He knew he was going to pass away. He knew when it would happen. He got instructions. He it wasn't something that he wasn't prepared for. It wasn't a suddenly, it certainly wasn't a well, perhaps maybe tragically in a sense, but not so much so. It was a more peacefully thing. So I think it's very important. I think it's very important to, to walk with the Lord and to, to pass away peacefully, peacefully. Okay. Let me see what we got here in the comments. We got Jeff. Welcome back, Jeff. Jeff says, Shalom. Mark says, Shalom. Um, Yahuwah's word is truth, says Shalom all. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And we have uh, somebody here on DLive. <laughs> um, I can't post this for some reason. Um, 
the software I'm using will not let me post this, but it is a graphical, like a GIF or GIF, however you want to pronounce it, of a, uh, it was like a gorilla or something, giving thumbs up. And Vita, Vita says, Shalom, Shalom Vita, welcome, welcome. Okay, so, um, yeah, let's get, let's get to this. This is Numbers chapter 27, verse 13. When you have seen it, you will be gathered to your people. So this is God speaking to Moses, just as Aaron, your brother, was. For in the wilderness of Zin, during the strife of the congregation, you rebelled against my command, my command to treat me as holy. In other words, to, to speak to the rock instead of, well, he, he decided to strike the rock instead of speak to the rock, uh, before their eyes at the water. These are the waters of Meribah. Uh, of Kadesh or Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin or Zin. Okay, Joshua to succeed Moses. Verse 15. Then Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, May the Lord, the God of the spirits of humanity, in the footnotes, all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who will go out and come in before them and lead them out and bring them in so that the congregation of the Lord will not be like sheep that have no shepherd. Uh, Just give me a second here. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit. Okay, again, here we have someone here again uh, that is very, very clear here that this is someone who has the spirit of God in him. Okay, now I like to point this out because, again, there are a lot of Christians who believe that you that the spirit of God was not in people. It did not fill anybody before the uh, Acts chapter 2. And that's just not the truth at all. Um, a lot of people believe that the Spirit of God did not baptize anybody until Acts chapter 2. And that that is not the truth as, at all either. Acts chapter 2 is a fulfillment of Joel chapter 2, which is simply the Spirit of God will be poured out on all flesh. As opposed to just Jewish flesh. Okay? It's a difference. Big difference. So Acts chapter 2 was the Spirit of God coming on all flesh as opposed to just the children of Israel or just the Jews. Whereas we read throughout the Tanakh that the Spirit of God did come upon and fill the children of Israel. At least some members of the children of Israel. Here's one good um, example right here. Joshua is one good example. Joseph is another good example. Daniel is another good example. Bezalel. Uh, of Moses, the uh, artisan, the gifted worker who helped create a lot of the furnishings, including the Ark of the Covenant. He's another good example. Uh, And we got all the different prophets and even the prophets, the group of prophets that were in the days of Saul, King Saul. uh, It it says the Spirit of God would come on them and they would prophesy, very much like um, what happened in the book of Acts, chapter 2, especially, except for the fact that they didn't really speak in other languages, but they did speak and they prophesied the wonderful works of God. 
So I just wanted to point that out. I think it's very important for people to see that and to take note of that, that the Spirit of God was in Joshua, not just on Joshua. And by the way, whether the Spirit of God is on you or in you, it's just like, what is not <laughs> it, splitting hairs, okay? Splitting hairs, like what, what <laughs> it's just semantics, basically. Take Joshua, the son of Nun or son of Noon, a man in whom is the spirit and lay your hand on him and have him stand before Eliezer, the priest and before all the congregation and commission him in their sight. And again, let me just, I think it's very important to understand here this whole concept of laying your hands on people like this, lay your hand on him. Now, this is a transference, transference, a spiritual transference from from Moses to Joshua. And we see this transference even in the, uh, actually more so in the New Testament, where we have a transfer of spirit by a phys by physical contact. So uh, again, we have this concept of physical objects carrying or being uh, transmitting spirits. Verse 20. And you shall put some of your authority on him, your authority in the footnotes, majesty. I like that word, majesty. Put some of your majesty on him, so that all the congregation of the sons of Israel will obey him. Moreover, he shall stand before Eliezer the priest, who shall inquire for him by the judgment of the Urim, Urim, okay? The Urim, those are the. Uh, Ur means light. Im is plural. So the lights, it literally means lights before the Lord. So the, um, the idea is that the high priest who wore the breastplate with all the different stones representing the different 12, the 12 tribes of Israel, that there was a supernatural illumination of lights upon these different stones. That's really the theory that's behind this, uh, that, that's, that God caused certain things to either light up or glow or sparkle. We don't know for sure what it is, but that's what the, the Urim is. That's what it's referring to, the supernatural lights of, of the Lord. At his command, they shall go out, and at his command, they shall come in. Both he and all the sons of Israel with him, all the congregation. Then Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and had him stand before Eliezer the priest and before all the congregation. Then he laid his hands on him and commissioned him, just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. Verse, or, excuse me, chapter 28. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the sons of Israel and say to them, You shall be careful to present to me my offering, my food for my offerings, by fire, of a soothing aroma to me at their appointed time. You shall say to them, This is the offering by fire which you shall offer to the Lord, two male lambs, one year old, without defect, as a continual burnt offering every day. 
You shall offer one lamb in the morning and the other, the other lamb you shall offer at twilight or here in the footnotes between the two evenings, i.e. the time between sunset and nightfall. Uh, where are we here? Verse 5. Also, a tenth of an ephah of fine flour as a grain offering mixed with a fourth of a hin of pure oil. A hin, again, is about one gallon, 3.8 liters or so through, uh, and so throughout, throughout the chapter. Okay, so I don't know why it keeps on popping up there at the top there. But yeah, so a fourth of a hin of oil would be approximately a quart. It is a continual burnt offering which has which was ordained on Mount Sinai as a soothing aroma, an offering by fire to the Lord. Then the drink offering with it shall be a fourth of a hin for each lamb. In the in the holy place, pour out a drink offering of strong drink to the Lord. The other lamb you shall offer at twilight, as the grain offering of the morning and as its its drink offering you shall offer it an offering by fire a soothing aroma to the lord then on the sabbath day two male lambs one year old without defect and two tenths of an ephah of fine flour okay an ephah being about one cubic foot about one cubic foot that doesn't go back properly here um yeah, so about two tenths of one of one cubic foot, or one fifth of one cubic foot of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering and its drink offering. This is the burnt offering of every Sabbath, in addition to the continual burnt offering and its drink offering. Then, at the beginning of each of your four, uh, excuse me, of your months, you shall present a burnt offering to the Lord: two bulls and one ram. Seven male lambs, one year old without defect, and three tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering for each bull, and two tenths of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering for one ram, for the one ram, and a tenth of an ephah or ephah of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering for each lamb, as a burnt offering of a soothing aroma, an offering by fire to the Lord. Their drink offering shall be a half a hin of wine for a for a bull and a third of a hin for the ram and a fourth of a hin for a lamb. This is the burnt offering of each month throughout the months of the year. And one male goat as a sin offering to the Lord. It shall be offered with its drink offering in addition to the continual burnt offering. The Lord's Passover shall be on the 14th day of the first month. On the 15th day of this month, there shall be a feast. Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days. On the first day, there shall be a holy assembly. You shall do no laborious work. But you shall present an offering by fire, a burnt offering to the Lord, two bulls and one ram, and seven male lambs, one year old, that you have uh, that you have without defect. For their grain offering, you shall offer fine flour mixed with oil, three tenths of an ephah for a bull, and two tenths for the ram. A tenth of an ephah you shall offer for each of the seven lambs, and one male goat 
as a sin offering you shall make uh, to make atonement for you. You shall present these besides the burnt offering of the morning, which is for a continual burnt offering. In this way, you shall present daily for seven days the food of the offering by fire, a soothing aroma to the Lord. It shall be presented with its drink offering in addition to the continual burnt offering. On the seventh day, you shall have a holy assembly. You shall do no laborious work. Also, on the day of the first fruits, when you present a new grain offering to the Lord in your feast of weeks, you shall have a holy assembly. You shall do no laborious work. But you shall offer a burnt offering as a soothing aroma to the Lord, two bulls, one ram, and seven male lambs, one year old. And as a, and as a grain offering, fine flour mixed with oil, three tenths of an ephah for each bull, two tenths for the one ram, and a tenth for each of the seven ra- lambs. Also, one male goat to make atonement for you. Besides the continual burnt offering and its grain offering, you shall present them with their drink offerings. They shall be without defect. Numbers chapter 29. Now in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a holy assembly. You shall do no laborious work. It will be to you a day for blowing trumpets. This is the Feast of Trumpets, right? And you shall offer a burnt offering as a soothing aroma to the Lord, one bull, one ram, and seven male lambs, one year old without defect. Also, their grain offering, fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for the bull, two-tenths for the ram, and one-tenth for each of the seven lambs. And one male goat as a sin offering to make atonement for you. Besides, the burnt offering of the new moon and its grain offering and the continual burnt offering and its and its grain offering and their drink offerings according to their ordinance for a soothing aroma, an offering made or an offering by fire to the Lord. Then on the tenth day of this seventh month, you shall have a holy assembly and you shall humble yourselves. You shall do you shall not do any work. You shall present a burnt offering to the Lord as a soothing aroma, one bull, one ram, and seven male lambs, one yield that you have without defect, and their grain offering, fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for the bull, two-tenths for the one ram, and a tenth for each of the seven lambs. One male goat as a sin offering, besides the sin offering of atonement and continual burnt offering, and its grain offering and their drink offerings. Then on the fifteenth day of the seventh month, you shall have a holy assembly. You shall do no laborious work, and you shall celebrate with a, with a feast to the Lord for seven days. You shall present a burnt offering, an offering made by fire, as a soothing aroma to the Lord. Thirteen bulls, two rams, fourteen male lambs, one year old, which are without defect, and their grain offering. Fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for each of the thirteen bulls, two-tenths for each of the two rams, and a tenth for each of the fourteen lambs, and one male goat as a sin offering besides the continual burnt offering, its grain offering, or its drink offering. Numbers chapter 30. 
Notice here, just as a quick little side note, it's, it's very interesting how God determines that there are grain offerings to be made for each of the animals. It's like the animals are to be made, number one, like on the top, but then there are to be grain offerings made for the animals, not necessarily for the people. It's interesting how that's worded. Uh, let's just go on here. So over there on DLive, we have Al Roman. Al Roman says, good job, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you for the GIF as well. Jordan says, shalom. Shalom, Jordan. Good to see you, brother. Vinny says, shalom, everyone. Shalom, Vinny. Welcome. All right, let's continue here with Numbers chapter 29, verse 17. Then on the seventh, or excuse me, the second day, 12 bulls, two rams, and 14 male lambs, one year old without defect, and their grain, and their grain offering and their drink offerings for the bulls and for, for the rams and for the lambs by their number according to, the, to their ordinance. And one male goat as a sin offering, besides the continual burnt offering and its grain offering and their drink offerings. Again, take note here that not all of the offerings here are sin offerings. So out of all these offerings, like 12 bulls, two rams, 14 male lambs, uh, in all of their grain offerings, you know, for each one of those animals, they're not sin offerings, but one male goat as a sin offering. Right? So a very small fraction of these offerings are, are for sin. You know, someone might say, well, what are the other offerings for? Well, I, we, uh, uh, it, assuming that these offerings are to be eaten by the Levites or other people, uh, they were to, therefore, to support the Levites, uh, the priests, and also, as we read in other parts of Scripture as well, to feed the poor, to feed the hungry, to feed the widows and the fatherless and all, all these other people that are um, in need of food. It's like free food. Verse 20. Then on the third day, 11 bulls, two rams and 14 male lambs, one year old without defect, and their grain offering and their drink offerings for the bulls and for the rams and for the for their lambs, excuse me, and for the lambs by their number according to the ordinance. And one male is a sin offering, again, just one out of all these, <laughs> how many do we have? Uh, 11. Uh, what is this now? 27, 27 different animals, at least here we have on this, on just this one particular day, only one, um, 27, 28 out of 28, it'd only be one, um, animal as a sin offering. Uh, and again, I like to bring this out because of the fact that a lot of people today believe that all animal sacrifices in the so-called old Testament are for sin. It's not the truth. Not the truth. Very, very small percentage of the offerings made in the Tanakh are sin offerings. Okay. Verse 23. 
Then on the fourth day, 10 bulls, two rams, and 14 male lambs, one year old without defect, their grain offering and their drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, for the lambs, by their number according to the, to the orders. And one, again, just, just one, male goat as a sin offering. Uh, besides the continual burnt offering, its grain offering, and its drink offering. On the fifth day, nine bulls, two rams. See, we're counting down, aren't we? Aren't we? We're counting down, right? So on the first day, we had, um, let me just see here, 13 bulls, right? On the first day, we have 13 bulls. On the second day, we have 12. On the third day, we have 11. And so on and so forth. 10, 9. So we're on the fifth day, nine bulls. But the number of rams are the same, and the number of male lambs are the same, and the number for uh, sin offerings, the same, only one. So again, uh, verse 26, on the fifth day, nine bulls, two rams, 14 male lambs, one year old without defect, and their grain offerings and their drink offerings for the bulls and for, for the rams and for the lambs by their number according to the ordinance, and one male goat as a sin offering besides the continual burnt offering and its grain offering and its drink offering. Then on the sixth day, here we go, counting down. Eight bulls, two rams. <laughs> it reminds me of the song, you know, on the 12 days of Christmas. On the 12th day of Christmas. On the sixth day, we have eight bulls, two rams, 14 male lambs, one year old without defects, and their grain offering and their drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, for the lambs, by their number according to the ordinance and one male goat as a sin offering besides the continual burnt offering and its drink offerings, grain offering and its drink offerings. On the seventh day, seven bulls, two rams, 14 male lambs, one year old without defect and their grain offerings and their drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, for the lambs by their numbers, by their number, according to the ordinance and one male goat as a sin offering besides the continual burnt offering its grain offering and its drink offering on the eighth day you shall have a sacred assembly you shall do no laborious work but you shall present a burnt offering an offering made by fire as a soothing aroma to the lord one bull one ram seven male lambs without oh, excuse me one year old without defect their grain offering and drink offerings for the bull, for, for the ram, for the lambs, by their number, according to the ordinance. And again, always one male goat as a sin offering, besides the continual burnt offering and his grain offering and his drink offering. You shall present these to the Lord at your appointed times. In other words, you can't just do it whenever you want. It's got to be at certain times. And we know as well, also, it's got to be at a certain place, certain times, certain place. Remember, um, we got different times in scripture, such as, um, we got Daniel, um, when he, in exile, we have first Kings chapter eight, we have second Chronicles chapter seven. We have different times in history where it's like the children of Israel were in exile. They didn't have, um, access to the temple. And so the question was, how are they going to do these sin offerings and how are they going to do these offerings without access to the temple? And the answer to that was, and always always will be, um, just repent. 
if you just repent, that is enough for atonement. And so just turn to the Lord, pray, turn to the Lord, turn away from sin, and God will forgive your iniquity. So yes, we have the appointed times. You shall present these to the Lord at your appointed times, besides your vowed offerings and your voluntary offerings, for your burnt offerings, your grain offerings, your drink offerings, and for your peace offerings. And Moses spoke to the sons of Israel in accordance with everything that the Lord had commanded Moses. Numbers chapter 30. And I'll get to your um, questions here. Uh, just before we read this, just let me see what we got here. Abril says, exactly, like only the goat is a sin offering. Thank you, Christopher. Yeah, um, a lot of people don't understand that. A lot of people say, well, you shoot. Jesus, Jesus fulfilled the, the animal sacrifices. It's like, huh. Uh, how? <laughs> Perhaps. I mean, if you really want to stretch it, because most of the animal sacrifices were for food. It was like a barbecue. Uh, the Great Deception asked a question. I wonder what the strong drink was in the daily sacrifice, the strong drink. I know that sometimes it is trans translated as um, strong drink, but let's just let's just see what it says in the um, in the Hebrew. Um, hmm. Strong drink. This is Numbers chapter 28. Okay, so just so you guys can see what I'm doing here, I'm on uh, the interlinear um, Numbers chapter 28 where it says of strong drink. Um, and it, it's very interesting that it seems to have two words redundant here, like uh, Sikar, Sikar, two words, both, uh, uh, very interesting how you got two exact same words translated in two completely different ways. Um, let's see what it says here. Um, strong drink, strong wine, drunkard, intoxicating drink, fermented or intoxicating liquor, um, Intensely, an intoxicant, uh, intensely alcoholic liquor, strong drink. Um, yeah, always usually condemned here, it says. Forbidden to the priests on duty, not for princes, nor for the Nazarite. Um yeah, so it doesn't really give us a real a, uh, detailed um, definition here, but it is a very it is a strong drink. Um, I don't know, perhaps something like whiskey or vodka. I don't know, but something very strong anyway. Um, 
Good question there, Great Deception. Abril says, they never opened the book of Numbers. That's why they don't know. Yeah, very good. Very good. Uh, the problem is Christians don't think that they need to read it. All they read and, and most of what they know is just, you know, the, the epistles of Paul. And they got the heart, they got the cart before the horse, right? Like they should be reading everything else first and then the epistles of Paul last. Tyler says, how can a loving God who is supposedly benevolent sentence people to an eternity in hell? Okay, so the question, let, let me just say this. How could a good judge allow evil people to live with you? If you have somebody who is evil, evil, okay, this person doesn't want to change. This person doesn't want to change. Think about one of the most evil people that could ever there could ever be. Any good judge, God is judge, we know that. Any good judge will not tolerate evil. Okay? And so when it comes to when it comes to the 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 whole thing about time, okay? Uh, time is just something basically in this particular world. It's not necessarily something that is in in the uh, in the next world, so to speak, or in the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm is more or less kind of outside of time. Like in this world, we are limited to time. Uh, so, yeah, like how could how could a loving God allow someone who is Evil, evil to afflict you for eternity. God is holy. And because he's holy, he doesn't put up with anything that's unholy. He is light. And because he's light, he doesn't put up with darkness. Okay. And so that's that's just that's just the uh the facts uh of the matter if god just let everybody you know if he just excused everybody there would be no justice absolutely no justice Great deception makes a good point. Um he is loving, he is righteous, he is just people choose not to do as he commanded for repentance. Yes. Yeah, so in regards to hell, um, I've seen this right from the very beginning, um, from before, like when I first, when I first got, when the Lord first got a hold of me in 1992, and my life completely changed, completely changed, and um, I became a new creation. One of the things I did, it was in 1993, actually, just the year after. I, um, 
I actually got trained at, at a at a at a church that I used to go to of how to evangelize. Um, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why I know a lot of these different selling points and the you know how to how to evangelize and all that kind of stuff. I've been there. I've done it. I know all that. I've, I've seen a lot. Okay. One of the things that I did was I've I went door to door. Over a thousand people within the community. Uh, I think it was like one thousand. Let me think now. It was way over a thousand. One thousand three hundred or more. Anyway, um, I did it. I did a um, what I called a spiritual survey. Actually, it was a survey that was passed down from my. Um, uh, there was a, there was a couple guys that was uh, designated by the church to train other people to evangelize. So these guys kind of give me um, a little bit of training and give me this spiritual survey. I still have it somewhere. I think maybe I should. I should some one of these days I'll have to find it and show you guys. Uh, so I went door to door, and this is I seen a lot of people. A lot of people are like, "There is no hell. Uh, this is hell. There is no hell." Right. Um. And I understand how a lot of people can think that a lot of people could think that there's no hell or that they, that this, that earth is hell. And that's the only hell that they'll ever uh, experience. But in the scriptures, we have, we have, we have evidence of, of something that is a lot different. Second, Esdras speaks a lot about the afterlife and a, a lot about how when someone passes away in this life, they are put away in, it's almost like, it's almost like jail. You know how if you get, someone would get arrested, they go to jail first. And then after they get sentenced, they go to prison, right? And that jail could be, I mean, it's horrible, right? And then they get sentenced to prison. So it's like, when you pass away, if you're not in the right place with the Lord, you go to almost like a jail. It's it's very, very explicit and lots of detail in Second Esdras uh, that there is a place, uh, like hold a holding place until the day of judgment, where it is like a jail. Very similar to how most court systems work in the world today. And this place is absolutely horrible. There's, it is a place, I mean, there's different, Yeshua talked about it. There's a place of darkness. There's a place of fire. There's a place of uh, torment. There's a place of worms, eternal torment. Um, so we have that in Second Ezra, very clear. We have that also in other, um, other books of scripture as well. We have that in um, Luke chapter 16, very clear as well. The rich man died went to a place that was of eternal torment, could never get out. He was never burned up. Like in, you know, it was, it was no hope of getting out of it. No hope of going, you know, getting any relief. Very, very uh, clear that when, once a person gets there, they are, there's, there's no way out. So not only do we have several different books of scripture and several different passages of scripture, uh, including Revelation, including Luke chapter 16, Second Esdras, and other books of the Apocrypha as well. We also have, because remember uh, the scriptures say, 
if there's anything that is of contention, let let the matter be let the matter be resolved. Let the matter uh, be judged by by two or three witnesses. Two or three witnesses should settle the matter. Now, back in the early '90s, mid '90s, in uh, I spent a lot of time researching uh, the afterlife, what people have experienced, um, listening to documentaries, reading books, reading uh, articles, um, listening to personal uh, videos that you can see. A lot of them were on YouTube. I don't know if they're still up or not. Um, and also talking to people face to face of people who said that they have died. They flatlined lots of people. I mean, we can find way more than way more than two or three. We can, without too much ado, we can find two or three hundred witnesses of the afterlife of either a paradise-like place or a hell-like place that people go to immediately, immediately. And their, their spirit does not get consumed because it's spirit. Their spirit feels, though. Spirit can feel pain. Spirit can feel pleasure. But if you have a fire, that spirit can feel the pain of burning but will not be consumed. There's nothing to consume. So we have lots of people. Um, if you're interested in some interesting documentaries about this, I would recommend documentaries such as Death and Beyond to Helen Back. To Helen Back was actually hosted by a person who used to be an atheist, a cardiologist, uh, Dr. Maurice Rawlings. And uh, through his experiences of people who died in his office, um, he couldn't be an atheist any longer and he and he spoke of how many many people actually do flatline and go to hell and you never hear of it they never talk about it they never do videos of it they never they never write write articles about it because they're too ashamed to do that it's not it's not, it's not something that people want to um, brag about hey guess what happened to me i you know i was condemned to hell you know, they're not going to say that. Uh, so according to Dr. Maurice Rawlings, car cardiologist, he said that there are way more people who experience hell than you ever know of because they don't want to talk about it. We hear a lot of people who experience paradise, but not hell. Um, but I think that it's pretty clear, both in many parts of scripture, many different books, uh, and in uh, with many different witnesses. Now, these witnesses can't all be hallucinating the exact same thing. In fact, some of these people who have died and they say their spirits left their body, they have produced evidence that, that there's absolutely no way that they could have been hallucinating. Like, for example, someone, with, someone who died on the operating table or died in the hospital, and they flatlined. It, they were dead. They were clinically dead. And they said that they left their body. They went to different parts of the hospital or went to different, a different location. And they came back when they were resuscitated and they, and they explained exactly what they saw, exactly who, what they heard from exactly something, you know, everything in detail. No other way that they could do that, except that they actually really did have a legit experience. 
So I think there's a lot of evidence to prove that these are not hallucinations. And okay, let me just say this. Some of them could be. There's there are always the there are always the flakes, okay? There's always people that are going to be fakes and flakes and delusional people, always. In every, you know, there's always bad people everywhere. But for the most part, it's un, it's beyond a reasonable doubt, far beyond a reasonable doubt that these people really did experience a legit real experience of leaving their body, going to a place that they either call paradise or a place that they call hell. You got people who say that they they have went to hell um, and they saw, and you know what, you know, it's very, very interesting. People from all over the world, people from all over the world have said that they've had this experience and they've they all describe something that's very similar to the other. For example, they all describe pastors in hell. Well, not all of them, but a great number of them do. They say they see people in hell, burning in fire, that are pastors. And they know they're pastors because they say, I'm a pastor. Get me out of here. I'm burning, I'm tormenting, like how Lazarus or the rich man did to Lazarus in Luke chapter 16. And you always have another another very similar experience is that the people that they see in hell are begging them to warn their family members and their friends not to come there, just like it says in Luke chapter 16. Another very similar experience when it comes to hell is uh, there are three different things. Again, there are, there's the darkness. Some people just experience darkness. Some people experience uh, fire. Remember, Yeshua also spoke of the outer darkness and the fire and also the, the worms or other creatures that would be devouring them or at least tormenting them in some way. Um, so there's a lot of similarities between all of these testimonies, all of these witnesses. Same with paradise. There are a lot of similarities with people who claim to go to a place you can either say is heaven or paradise, depending on what word you want to use. To me, me pretty much the same thing. Um, but similarities as well. The colors, the music, the love, the light, the glory, the plants. And also the babies, the millions and millions of uncount, uh, countless babies who have been rejected from the womb. A lot of people see this, these kind of things from all different parts of the world, from all different walks of life, okay? And so... We have plenty, plenty of evidence that yes, when someone dies, they go to a place that is a place of torment or a place of great pleasure and they don't get out. Nobody has ever, ever testified, hey, you know, I died and, and I, and I, and I uh, went to hell and I saw a good old Uncle Jack there. And he looked at his watch and he said, well, you know, I only got another 24 hours left and then I'm out of here. Nothing, not even close. Nobody ever, ever claims that it's temporary. Nobody. It's just as, it's 
everybody is it's it's eternal and it's hopeless and that's what makes it hell you see the physical world is the temporary world the spiritual world is the eternal world tyler says what was manna it was like a bread-like thing. Like we, again, this is something that we just actually went through not too long ago. Uh, I would highly recommend you go look at our previous live streams on that particular portion of scripture. I show you pictures of what it looked like according to the description of the, in, in the scriptures. And we talked a lot about that. So yeah, it was a food. Uh, it was a literal, literal food that, uh, that showed up on the ground for uh for the children of israel great deception says i believe the second death is permanent like snuff a candle out um when it comes to the book of revelation it's, it's difficult to interpret everything because it's so mystical and so um yeah, and that's that's one of the reasons why it just barely made the Bible canon. And some some of the church leaders throughout the ages did not believe that Revelation should be in the Bible canon because of that reason. Um, I I understand the second death to be like the spiritual death, like the first death being like almost like the phys, the physical death. And, and what I mean by death, let me make it very clear: death is not a and ceasing to exist at all. Uh, you can be in a 100% state of death, physically and spiritually, and still be in existence. Uh, a death is, is, a, is, a, is a spiritual state. Remember how it says in the scriptures how you were dead in your sins, but now you are alive in the Lord. Now you are alive in the spirit. You were dead in your sins. That didn't mean that they were non-existent. It just meant that they were in a spiritual state of death. It wasn't good. It wasn't light and love and blessing. It was a spiritual state of curse, pretty much. It was, it was, a, it was a bad state to be in. So I think that if someone passes away in that state, then they remain in that state. Great Deception also says, I believe Jubilee speaks of Sheol and the Lake of Fire. Yeah, there are a lot of other uh, books of scripture that uh, that speak of that. Yeah, like again, we uh, you know we can spend a lot of time th talking about it. Uh, there are a lot of books, there are a lot of scriptures um, that speak of that. Again, Second Ezra, I think, is probably one of the clearest, although there's a lot of other books that allude to that, including, I mean, Revelation talks about that as well. And I know people say, well, it says the smoke of their burning rises forever. And I've heard people say, well, you know, that um, uh, they were just burned up and then they didn't exist anymore. But if that's the case, the smoke wouldn't rise forever. The smoke would just be a poof and it's gone. You know, when you look out, if you're, if you're driving down the road, I don't know if you guys, if you're driving down the road and you see smoke in a distance, you know something is burning. Smoke doesn't last very long. It's not like, oh, 
I see smoke from, oh, somebody had a big, a big bonfire, you know, 50 years ago. That's what that smoke's all about. No, it's something that happened. It's happening now. Uh, so smoke of her burning rises forever means that she is continually burning without getting consumed. Byron says, my cousin died and got resuscitated. She said she was falling to hell, but she says it was just like the chemicals in her brain releasing. She looks at it from a scientific view. Very unfortunate, uh, Byron, that she looks at it that way because, again, there are so many people. She probably had a legit experience, but she doesn't want to believe it. Um, you know, she wants to write it off. But I would highly recommend that she considers a lot of these other testimonies of people who have experienced something similar to that and they can prove that it's not hallucinations. It, it's not something that happened because of chemicals in the brain. Uh, you know, um, again, you got, you got people like, um, there was this lady who she walked, she flatlined. She, she said that she came out of her body. She walked down the hall at the hospital, down to a different part of the hospital where the waiting room was. And she went in there and she saw her family there. And when she was, when she resuscitate, when she was resuscitated and she could recount everything that the family members were talking about. And when they came in and, and she said, you know, especially there was this one, uh, her brother-in-law, you know, uh, said, oh, you know, she's dead. Oh man, why did she have to die now? I got a business trip. I have to make, I have to go on. Um, you know, now I'm going to have to be a pallbearer, man. Why, you know, like, and she he was complaining about it. And according to her, she heard it because she was there in her spirit. So when we, when she was resuscitated, she come back to her body and that brother-in-law comes back in the room. Hey, how's it going? She's like, yeah, Next time I die, you go on your business trip because I don't want you to be my pallbearer anymore. And he's like, what? what you, what's going on? What, what are you talking about? I heard. I was there. I know what you said. What? Lots of testimonies like that. Lots of testimonies like that. Where people go places. They see things. They hear things. They witness things that there's no other way. No other way they could they could ever know that unless it was a true experience, a legit, verified experience uh, out of the uh, out of body. So uh, a lot of lot of um, yeah, a lot of experiences like that. Another experience was there was another lady who was she was what they thought was she was on her deathbed and they called, you know, she had children at home. Uh, she had a few, a few children at home and um, she had a babysitter somebody had a babysitter watching the children. And, you know, they got the call, you know, bring the children in, you know, come in. Cause this, this, the mother is basically on her last, her last leg. So she could pass away anytime now. Um, and so in a rush and in haste, the babysitter got, um, you know, threw some mismatched plaid clothes up on these um, children. He just threw some clothes on and just took them and rushed out of the door and went again to uh, like in the hospital into a waiting room 
And again, this, this particular woman, she, she passed away before the children got there. She passed away before the children got there. In other words, she clinically died, flatlined, no vital signs at all. She said she came out, she went, she came out of her body and she went and she saw her children in these weird clothes, mismatched plaids. And anyway, when she, when she woke up or not when she woke up, when she resuscitated, she came back to her body. And before she even saw the children at all, what, the first thing she said to like the nurses is like, you know, why were my children wearing those clothes, like mismatched plaids? Like, why were they, like, why were they dressed so weird? And she's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I, yeah, I, you know, I was out of my body. I saw, I saw my children. I know why were the, what, what happened? And so basically it's like, there's no other way for her to know that unless she actually saw the children. Absolutely no way. No other excuse. There's no way you can have chemicals in your brain and hallucinate the truth. That's because hallucination by definition is not the truth. Yeah, Byron says about uh, your cousin wasn't a believer. Um, and the night his dad gave him Indian medicine from his sweat lodge to, to quit drinking. They said he went to a good place, but I don't know. If it was deliberate, like if he deliberately did himself in like that, like knowingly, intentionally, then it doesn't, it, it, that doesn't look good at all. Cause that definitely is a serious violation of, you know, thou shalt not murder, right? It's, it's, it's murdering yourself. Um, and it's very sorry to hear that Byron. Um, and my heart goes out to the family and, and the friends of those affected, uh, uh, you know, again, I don't know the, the all the details of that, but I've seen it happen. So I've seen it happen way too many times where you got someone who did do that intentionally. And the, the preacher's like, well, they're in heaven right now, or they're in the arms of Jesus. It's like, I actually contacted one of these pastors and I said, listen, don't say that because you, when you, when you say that, you, you, you 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 make it conducive for other people to do that because someone else can look at that and say, "Oh yeah, I want to go to heaven too," and you know whatever, do whatever to themselves. Like, don't do that. Believe it or not, several months after I contacted that pastor, that person's daughter also did that. Very sad situation. I believe if that daughter knew the seriousness of where her mother probably most likely almost for sure is she wouldn't do that there was one particular person um uh, must have been about 12 years ago now uh a person that i know um called me and he sounded like he was in bad shape this particular person did not threaten to do himself in. He did not threaten it at all. I had to ask him. And when he said yes, I thought this is this is definitely serious. Um 
because he didn't use it as a threat. He didn't use it as a manipulation tactic. He didn't use it as a fear tactic. He was really serious about it. And I had to pry it out of him to get the truth. I immediately, I put the phone down and I went right to his place. And I sat down with him and I went through every instance I could think of and every instance I knew of, of people who did that and went to hell. And I said, again, the scriptures and the witnesses all say, all say, this is what will happen to you. I can tell you, that was, like again, probably about 12 years ago. To this day, he's still alive. To this day, he was still alive. He's still alive to this day, as far as I know. And I believe the reason why he's alive is because he was confronted with the truth. And that's why a lot of people do that, because they think they're going to go to a better place. <laughs> Such. <sighs> mm, what can I say? I don't want to say too much here, but I think you know what I'm getting at. It's, it's, really, it's really tragic. Talk about tragic. It's really tragic that so many spiritual leaders today give people the impression that's the case. Byron says, my sister said she keeps on having bad dreams about him. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if there's a recurring dream like that, it could, in the scriptures, recurring dreams um, are, are significant. We read that in the book of Genesis with the with Joseph and um, the uh, the dreams of uh, not only his dreams but the dreams of, of Pharaoh as well or Potiphar, um, and then um, we have Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar dreams that were recurrent, and it was very significant. So on D Live, we got: Do you think an angel appears to us like golden orbs with fire inside? Um, for the most part, no, but they can, they can. I mean, it's, it's, I'm not saying it's impossible. They can, um, again, you look at the scriptures and you look at, you know, you look at witnesses, the scriptures don't talk about that kind of thing. When, a, when an angel appears, it's more, they're more likely to appear like a human being. According to the scriptures, we've got, just off the top of my head, we got the angels that appeared to Abraham and Lot in Genesis. We have the angel that appeared to Tobit in the book of Tobit, or the angel that appeared to Tobias. We have in, in uh, Hebrews where it talks about how Angels do appear as human beings so 
so can like so much like human beings people are fooled they th- they're like well that's not an angel there's no way that can be an angel that's a human being you know I, I walked with him i talked with him we ate we went to a restaurant together hey i it's a human being it's not an angel oh yeah it's an angel um so it's possible they can but not it's not i wouldn't say it's that common RJ says, can you recommend a particular copy of the Apocrypha? Um, so there's, there is no interpretation that I would recommend over and over the other. I would say, you know, just, um, and when you say Apocrypha too, it's, it's 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 kind of ambiguous because we have the Catholic apocrypha, we have the we have several different Orthodox apocryphas, plus we have uh, the apocrypha that people they call it apocrypha, but it's more like just extra biblical books. Um, so apocrypha is kind of not very it's not very well defined. Uh, but I would, I would, I, I would highly recommend getting a hold of Orthodox Study Bible would be one. And there's many different uh, books you can order or even download online from different from different sources. Some of the books that are on um, early Christian writings or. Uh, like earlychristianwritings.com or sacredtexts.com. Uh, there's many different, there's a lot of different books like that. And even apps you can get for your phone if, you, if you're if you into something like that, where you got like different lost books and so on and so forth. Abril says, I'm sorry for denying hell. I came out of Catholicism and used to believe in purgatory. Totally understand where you're coming from. Totally understand where you're coming from. I know how easy it is to, you know, it's like it's like the pendulum, right? It's like a pendulum. You like it's like it swings far one way, and then it's like you want to try to pull it back the other way. And I, you know, I, I know what that's like. Um, I try. I I want to be as objective as possible. To be as objective as possible and to get the truth as much as possible. Great Deception mentions the Sefer Sefer Bible. I do have a copy of the Sefer Bible, and actually, I read through the Sefer Bible. Um, I read through the whole thing. Uh, there's a lot of there's there's good points and bad points about the Sefer Bible. The good points are that it does con- it does contain a lot of um, apocryphal books. Um, it does transliterate the Hebrew names quite well. Once you get used to the 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 way it's translated, the um, the transliteration. Once you get used to that way of pronouncing things. That's one good thing about it. Another good thing about it I like is that it does not separate the book between 
Old Testament and New Testament is just all one. That's a good thing. Uh, there are some bad things as well about the book. Um, number one is it is very clearly tampered with in the sense that there are things that are added and changed in there that's not in any manuscript. It's just the publisher's... <laughs> I don't know what else... I don't know how to put it. it <laughs> All I can say is the publisher decided to put, to change and put things in there that's not in any manuscript. It's of their own doing. There's many. For example, um, I'll just give you one example. There's there's many, but in the book of Jubilees, in the Sefer, it talks about how um, that the two tablets were sapphire stones. I read through many. I, I don't know how many different interpretations and in, in manuscripts of book of books of Jubilees that I that I went through. And not one could I ever find ever. I couldn't find one that said any of that. I even went to the original Ethiopic, the original uh, Ethiopic copy of the Book of Jubilees that was everything was supposed to be translated from, and it's not there. It's not there. And I went to the Sefer introduction and all that kind of stuff. And I'm thinking maybe the publisher, you know how usually in, in, um, in, in a, in a Bible, you'd have the translator's preface where the translator would explain why they translate things a certain way or why they did things a certain way. Not that way with the Sefer at all. No explanation about these things whatsoever. To this day, it's like, I don't see any evidence for that whatsoever other than that they just that's just their doing that's they they <sighs> yeah so there are that kind of there are, again that's just one example there's a lot more there where that came from there's a lot more where that came from but because of that i am i'm disappointed in in the sefer to say the least. Avril says, 12 to 13 years ago, I got saved uh, through a sort of spiritual boot camp. I repented from all I did and got myself back because I was in a lot of darkness. Wow. Praise God. Praise God. Awesome. Abril says, but after that, I got a lot of spiritual attacks, including having so-called hallucinations of hell or purgatory. For a whole three days, and nice. I could I couldn't sleep a wink. It was sort of a dream paralysis. I used to tell people about it before, but I stopped doing so because there is no purgatory. Yeah, sorry about that. What she went through there, Abril. It sounds like um um 
Is that something that's ongoing or is that something that just happened in the past? If it's ongoing, um, then yeah, it's something that should be taken care of. RG says, thanks. You're welcome. Urban says on DLive, trying to figure out what I saw float over me was two of them. The 1611 KJV also. Yes, the 1611 KJV has the Apocrypha in it. I found it very interesting and kind of funny in a way. I had a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, actually. Believe it or not, this guy is KJV only. It's the only Bible that's the real true Bible. Anything else is of the devil, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, he's like, well, that's because the King James, you know, he strictly warned, you know, basically, you know, with a heavy hand, he warned his, his uh, interpreters to make sure they interpreted it perfectly or else they would lose their life. And so under the strict, you know, guidance of King James, everything was done properly. So I said, well, you know, do you believe, do you believe in the Apocrypha? No, I don't believe in the Apocrypha, he said. Nope, that was, that's proven wrong. I'm like, oh, he's, I, I'm like, well, you're, uh, you believe in the King James. Oh yeah, King James, that's the only Bible. That's it. King, King James himself made sure it was perfect. I said, do you know? Do you know that the King James Bible originally had all of the Apocrypha in it, including 2nd Esdras? Uh, 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 um, well, uh, I think I'll have to read it. <laughs> I said, yeah, I think you better read it. Going nowhere says, imagine if there was music in hell, what would it sound like? I That's one thing I have never heard. Again, I've heard so many testimonies, read so many things, saw so many videos, talked to people per, in person. Uh, and that's one thing I've never heard is anybody who said they, they, they heard like music. Horrible sounds, perhaps, but not music. Okay, so the Great Deception asked for prayer for Shirley and Ernie. Yeah, uh, yeah, sorry to hear about their, their health there. So let's pray for Shirley and Ernie, everyone. Uh, I do have uh live going here on a podcast on podbean as well so for those of you who are listening on podbean on the podcast and on youtube twitter facebook all the other ones that i'm streaming simultaneously let's join in prayer for shirley and ernie uh said that they are having serious health problems Okay, let's do that. Father, Father, we thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for your blessings. Father, you are the great and awesome God. You keep your covenant of love 
with those who love you and with those who follow your commands. We come before you. We humble ourselves before you. We worship you. We praise you. You are holy. Holy is your name. Father, we ask that you would have mercy upon Shirley and Ernie, that they would see their health turn around for the better, that, they, that these serious health problems would go away, that you would heal them. Extend your arm. Extend your hand and touch them, Father. Have mercy. Have mercy upon them. Let them be whole and healthy in the name of Yeshua of Nazareth. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. Amen. Urban says, two orbs floating silent, going at the same speed like balls of fire, about 20, 30 feet in the sky. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely sounds like a like spiritual beings for sure. Going nowhere says, do you think it's okay for Christians to believe in aliens? Depends on how you define aliens. I mean, I believe that there are, I I believe that even the scriptures, uh, especially in. Um, I mean, we have it alluded to in the 66 book canonical, commonly canonical scope of scripture that fallen angels have come to earth and, and you know, and they can transform themselves into different, into different beings and different things. We, we have that in the scriptures. Uh, however, uh, we have more detail in a book, let's say, for example, like the book of Enoch, or the book of Jubilees where it talks about these fallen angels who that they were evil spirits who came to earth and sought to reproduce procreate with women here on earth i find it very interesting that a lot of people who a lot of people who have that claim to have had um alien abduction that they've been abducted by aliens a lot of these People have had experiences, they say, with these quote-unquote aliens that are uh, that are sexual of nature, which very much sounds like something you would read of in the Book of Enoch, Book of Jubilees, and it's alluded to within the Book of Genesis and other places in Scripture as well. So having said that, aliens, um, I do not believe that there that the aliens are what people what common people believe on earth for them to be like just just some other creatures that you know that live in some other some other planet no i do believe that the aliens so called aliens that these people are experiencing are in fact um evil spirits demons just as we read of like in the book of enoch
Yeah. Okay, let's continue. Numbers chapter 30. Numbers chapter 30. Then Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes of the sons of Israel, saying, This is the word which the Lord has commanded. If a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to put himself under a binding obligation, he shall not break his word. He shall act in accordance with everything that comes out of his mouth. If a woman makes a vow to the Lord and puts herself under a binding obligation in her father's house, in her youth, and her father hears her vow and her obligation under which she has put herself, and her father says nothing to her, then all her vows shall remain valid, and every binding obligation which she has put herself shall remain valid. But if her father expresses disapproval to her on the day he hears, none of her vows or her obligations under which she has put herself, shall remain valid. And the Lord will forgive her because her father has expressed disapproval to her. However, if she happens to marry while under her vows or the impulsive statement of her lips by which she has obligated herself, and her husband hears of it and says nothing to her on the day he hears it, then her vows shall remain valid and her binding obligations which she has put herself shall remain valid. But if on the day her husband hears of it, he expresses disapproval to her, then he will annul her vow, which she had, which she is under, and the impulsive statement of her lips by which she has obligated herself, and the Lord will forgive her. But as for the vow of, of a widow or of a divorced woman, Every binding obligation under which she has put herself shall remain valid against her. However, if a married woman vowed in her, hu- in her husband's house or put herself under a binding obligation with an oath and her husband heard it but said nothing to her and did not express disapproval to her, then all her vows shall remain valid and every binding obligation under which she puts herself shall me- remain valid. But if her husband actually annuls them on the day he hears them, then no utterance from her lips concerning her her vows or the obligation she put herself shall remain valid. Her husband has annulled them, and the Lord will forgive her. Every vow and every binding oath to humble herself, her husband may confirm it, or her husband may annul it. If her husband, in, in fact, says nothing to her from day to day, Then he confirms all her vows or all her binding obligations which are on her. He has confirmed them because he said nothing to her on the day he heard them. However, if he actually annuls them after he has heard them, then he shall bear the responsibility for her guilt. These are the statutes which the Lord commanded Moses concerning matters between a man and his wife and between a father and his daughter while she is in her youth in her father's house. Numbers chapter 31. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Take vengeance on the Midianites for the sons of Israel. It's very interesting and not very common, uh, may I add, that you actually have a command of the Lord to take vengeance. Because a lot of times the Lord says, vengeance is mine, right? 
But in this case, since vengeance is, as, as the Lord would say, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And he basically transferred that duty of taking vengeance to Moses. So in that, in, in this particular circumstance, this would be justifiable. Because it says very clearly here, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take vengeance on the Midianites for the sons of Israel after you will be gathered to your people. In other words, afterwards, in other words, this is the last thing you're supposed to do. After this, you are coming with me. Verse three. So Moses spoke to the people saying, arm men from among you in war so that they may go against Midian to execute the Lord's vengeance on Midian. Again, quite interesting. We have Moses commanding his people to execute the Lord's vengeance. Verse 4. You shall send a thousand from each tribe of all the tribes of Israel to war. So that'd be 12,000 altogether. So there were selected from the thousands of Israel, a thousand from each tribe, 12,000 armed for war. And Moses sent them a thousand from each tribe to war. And Phinehas, or as his Hebrew name is, Pinchas, Pinchas, the son of Eliezer the priest, to the war with, with them, and the holy implements and the trumpets for, for the alarm in his hand. Take note here, and this is very important to understand. Out of all of the millions of people of the, of the children of Israel, and, of, uh, and out of all the thousands of people here, in, that was called to fight out of 12,000 people. Why is it that Phinehas is pointed out here? Because Phinehas has a history of executing the Lord's vengeance. Remember how we read it before of the two, the man and the woman who were defiling the Lord's temple and engaging in immoral acts right there in the Lord's temple and Phinehas took a spear or like a javelin and just thrust them through completely. And God blessed Phinehas for that. Um, and because Phinehas stopped the sin and thus stopped the plague upon the people, he has a history of being as, a, as an instrument that the Lord uses to take vengeance. So, that, this is why that Phinehas, out of all the people, was specifically and explicitly mentioned. Verse 7. So they made war against Midian, just as the Lord had commanded Moses, and they killed every male. They killed the kings of Midian along with the rest of those, along with the rest of those killed, Evi. Rechem, Zur, Hur, and Reba, the five kings of Midian. They also killed Balaam, the son of Beor, with the sword. And the sons of Israel took captive the women of Midian and their love and their little ones, and, and they plundered all their cattle, all their flocks, and all their property. 
Then they burned all the cities where they lived in all and in all their encampments. And they took all the plunder and all the spoils, both of people and of livestock. They brought the captives and the spoils and the plunder to Moses, to Eliezer the priest, and to the congregation of the sons of Israel, to the camp at the plains of Moab, which are by the Jordan, opposite Jericho. And Moses, Eliezer the priest, and all the leaders of the congregation went out to meet them outside the camp. But Moses was angry with the officers of the army, the commanders of thousands, and the commanders of hundreds, who, came, who had come from service in the war. And Moses said, have you spared all the women? In the footnote, Seir says, let live. Let all the women live, in other words. Behold, they caused the sons of Israel, through the counsel of Balaam, to be unfaithful to the Lord in the matter of Peor, or Peor, so that the plague took place among the congregation of the Lord. Now, therefore, kill every male among the little ones and kill every woman who has known a man intimately. Literally, in bed with a man. However, all the girls who have not known a man intimately, keep alive for yourselves. And as for you, camp outside the camp for seven days. Whoever has killed a person or whoever has touched anyone killed, purify yourselves. You and your captives on the third day and on the seventh day. And, on, and you shall purify yourselves for yourselves every garment every article of leather, every work of goat's hair, and every article of wood. Then Eliezer the priest said to the men of war who had gone to battle, this is the statute of which the Lord, of the law, excuse me, which the Lord has commanded Moses. Only the gold and the silver, the iron, the tin, and the lead, everything that can withstand the fire, you shall through the fire, and it will be clean. Only it shall be purified with water for impurity. But whatever cannot withstand the fire, you shall pass through the water. And you shall wash your clothes on the seventh day, and you will be clean. And afterward, you may enter the camp. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, You and Eliezer the priest and the heads of the father's households of the congregation take account of the spoils that were captured, both of people and of livestock, and divide the spoils between the warriors who went out to battle and all the congregation. Also collect a tribute tax for the Lord, the men of war who went to battle, one in five hundred of the persons, of the cattle, of the donkeys, and of the sheep. Take, in, take it from their half and to Eliezer the priest as an offering to the Lord. And from the sons of Israel's half, you shall take one drawn from every 50 of, of the persons, of the cattle, of the donkeys, and of the sheep, from all the animals, and give them to the Levites who perform the duty of the tabernacle of the Lord. Moses and Eliezer the priest did just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Now the spoils that remained from the plunder which the men of war had plundered was 607,000 sheep, 72,000 cattle, 62,000 donkeys, and of captive people of the women who had not known a man intimately in all were 32,000 people. The half 
the share of of those who went to war was as follows. The number of sheep was 337,500. The Lord's tribute tax of the sheep was 675. The cattle were 36,000, which the Lord's tribute tributes tax was 72. The donkeys were 30,500, from which the Lord's tribute tax was 61. And the captive people were 16,000, from whom the Lord's tribute tax was 32 persons. And Moses gave the tribute tax, which was the Lord's offering, to Eliezer the priest, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. As for the sons of Israel's half, which Moses separated from the men who had gone to war, now the congregation's half was 337,500 sheep, 36,000 cattle, 30,500 donkeys, and, a ca- and the captive people were 16,000 from the sons of Israel's half. From the sons of Israel's half, Moses took one drawn from every 50, both of people and of animals, and gave them to the Levites who performed the duty of the tabernacle of the Lord, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then the officers who were over the thousands of the army the commanders of thousands and the commanders of hundreds approached Moses, and they said to Moses, Your servants have taken a census of the men of war who were under our authority, and no man of us is missing. So we have brought as an offering to the Lord what each man for articles of gold, armlets and bracelets, signet rings, earrings and necklaces to make atonement for yourselves before the Lord. Moses and Eliezer the priest took the gold from them, all kinds of crafted articles, all the gold of the offering which they offered up to the Lord from the commanders of thousands and the commanders of hundreds was 16,750. The men of war had taken plunder, every man for himself. So Moses and Eliezer the priest took the gold from the commanders of thousands and of hundreds and brought it to the tent of meeting as a memorial for the sons of Israel before the Lord. Numbers chapter 32. Now the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad had a very large number of livestock. So when they saw the land of Yazer and the land of Gilead, that was indeed a place suitable for for livestock, the sons of Gad and the sons of Reuben came and spoke to Moses, Eliezer the priest, and to the leaders of the congregation, saying, Ataroth, Dibon, Jazer, or Yazer, Nimra, Heshbon, Elia, Elia, Elie, excuse me, Alile, Sabam, Nabo, and Bion, the land which the Lord conquered before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock, and your servants, and your servants have livestock. And they said, if we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants as your as our property. Do not take us across the Jordan. But Moses said to the sons of Gad and the sons of Reuben, should your brothers go to war while you remain here? And why are you discouraging the sons of Israel from, from crossing over into the land which the Lord has given them? This is what your fathers did when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. For when they went 
up to the valley of Eshcol and saw the land, they discouraged the sons of Israel so that they did not go into the land which the Lord had given them. So the Lord's anger burned on that day, and he swore, saying, None of the men whom came out from Egypt from twenty years old and upward shall see the land which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, for they did not follow me fully, except Caleb, the son of Yafuni, and uh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, the son of Nun. For they have followed the Lord fully. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness for 40 years, until the entire generation of those who had done evil in the sight of the Lord came to an end. Now, behold, you have risen up your father's place, born of sinful men, to add still more to the burning anger of the Lord against Israel. For if you turn away from following him, he will once more leave them in the wilderness, and you will destroy all these people. Then they approached him and said, We will build sheepfolds for our livestock here and cities for our little ones, but we ourselves will be armed, hurrying ahead of the sons of Israel until we have brought them in to their place while our little ones live in the fortified cities because of the inhabitants of the land. We will not return to our homes until every one of the sons of Israel has gained possession of his inheritance. But we will, ha- we will not have an inheritance with them on the other side of the Jordan and beyond, because our inheritance has come to us on this side of the Jordan toward the east. So Moses said to them, if you do this, if you will arm yourselves before, before the Lord for war, and all of you armed men cross over the Jordan before the Lord until he has driven his enemies out from him and the land is subdued before the Lord, then afterward you may return and be free of obligation toward the Lord and toward Israel, and this land shall be yours as property before the Lord. But if you do not do so, Behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure that your sin will find you out. Build yourselves cities for your little folds for your sheep, and do what you have promised. Then the sons of Gad and the sons of Reuben spoke to Moses, saying, Your servants will do just as my Lord commands. Our little ones, our wives, our livestock, and all our cattle shall remain there in the cities of Gilead, while your servants, that is, everyone, who is armed for war, cross over in the presence of the Lord to battle, just as my Lord says. So Moses gave the command regarding them to Eliezer the priest, to Joshua son of Nun, and to the heads of the uh, of the fathers' households of their tribes, of the tribes of the ch- uh, sons of Israel. And Moses said to them, If the sons of Gad and the sons of Reuben, everyone who is armed for battle, cross over the Jordan across with you over the Jordan into in the presence of the Lord and the land is subdued before you then you shall give them the the land of Gilead as their property but if they do not cross over with you armed they shall instead be settled among you in the land of Canaan and the sons of Gad and the sons of Reuben answered saying as the Lord has said to your servants so we will do We ourselves will cross over armed in the presence of the Lord into the land of Canaan, and the property of our inheritance shall remain with us across the Jordan. So Moses gave to them, to the sons of Gad, the sons of Reuben, 
and to the half tribe of Yosef's son Manasseh. The kingdom of Sihon, the kingdom, the king of the Amorites, and the kingdom of Og, the king of Bashan, the land with it, with its cities, with their territories, the cities of the surrounding land, and the sons of and the sons of Gad built Dibon, Ataroth, Aror, Atroth, Shofan, Yazer, Yagbeha, Beth Nimra, Beth Haran as fortified cities and sheep folds for sheep. The sons of Reuben built Heshbon, Eliela, Kiriathaim, Nabo, Baal, Meon, their names being changed, and Sibma, and they gave other names to the cities which they built. The sons of Machir, the son of Manasseh, went to Gilead and took it, and dispossessed the Amorites who were in it. So Moses gave Gilead to Machir, the son of Manasseh, or Manasseh, and he lived in it. Yair, the son of Manasseh, went and took its towns and called them Havoth, Yair. Noba went and took Kenneth and, and its villages and named it Noba after his own name. So tomorrow we will read Numbers chapter 33, the review of the journey from Egypt to Jordan. Very interesting. Very interesting. All right. So um, let's see what we got here. Okay. Checking out some of your comments. Abril, uh, speaking of the um, let's see here. Speaking of the spiritual attacks, it's been ongoing but different. I've had three crises. When I first was saved, it lasted three days. When my daughter was born, about a month, and just last year, it lasted about three months. Is a mix. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, I mean, the only, the only thing I could I could say, the only thing that really comes to mind um, in my own experience when I when I first got saved as well, just like you, when I first got saved, but it lasted to me. It for me, it lasted until I cleaned my house and uh, you know got I got rid of all the secular materials and secular movies, um, music. Books out of my house and everything that uh, was against the Torah. Uh, after that, it stopped for me. So uh, uh, that's that's what I would say. It may be something that's that's giving legal right for the enemy to be um, attacking you like that. Maybe something somewhere. 
Oh, okay. So Abril says between hormonal unbalance and spiritual attacks. That's why I asked for that book the other day. Yes. I hope you got that. Again, um, it's I get absolutely nothing for this. I don't get a penny for it at all. I don't I don't know the uh the author or I have nothing to do with the publisher at all, but it's just something that really blessed me. So this is the book that I for the, again, for those of you who didn't see this yet, um if you're having spiritual attacks, uh this is one book that I would highly recommend. It's actually a um it's a it's a very small little pocketbook. Uh, but it's really packed with some really good stuff, and it's actually like a. It's almost like the like the highlights of the longer version of the book called the Bondage Breaker. I don't. I think I. Re- I'm not. You know. I'm not even sure if I read the Bondage Breaker. If I did, it it so it it didn't impact me enough for me to remember it. But um, uh, apparently, this book is basically a slimmed, very slimmed down version of the Bondage Breaker. So yeah. Highly recommended. Highly recommended. Go for it, Randy. Good to see you, Randy. Welcome. Says no. Uh, nobody knows where the orbs are from. They are not ETs. I happen to be at the top top orb researcher in the world. Um, most likely spirits. They are intelligent. That sounds like spirits to me. Okay, Abril says, but I've seen a lot of good stuff too, not only darkness. I came out of that darkness when I renounced Catholicism three to four years ago. Abril says, learning Torah and practicing it has helped me so much. It's helped so much. Great, awesome. That's a wonderful, you know, and again, if there's anything like the, the devil cannot withstand the Torah. Um, Yeshua knew that. That's why he quoted Torah at every turn when it comes to his temptations and his confrontation with the devil. It's like every time the devil tempted him, he quoted Torah. He knew what he was doing. Byron says, my family is very anti-Christian, but I can tell they're becoming more open to it these last few months. Awesome. Awesome. Praise God. Very interesting. Randy says, it's amazing that Moses' altar is still there at the base of Mount Sinai thousands of years later and nobody tore down yet. I wasn't aware of that, Randy. Uh, It's actually the first time I heard of that. I know that they have the church of the, what do they call it now? It's that church at the base of Mount Sinai as well. Uh, And the the, um, burning bush as well is supposed to be uh, at the base of Mount Sinai as well. Very, very interesting. I believe that there's a lot more biblical relics that that we know of, that we've heard of. I think a lot of these things that we're reading about, a lot of articles and a lot of relics are still are still around. And people just want to keep it secret. I mean, I, I, I could see that being the case, right? If someone has something uh valuable or very, very um like a whole like a, a, a relic from the days of Moses or something like that. I mean, I can see somebody saying, Hey, I got it. I got it. I got it in my closet and I don't want anybody to know what's there. And I'm not telling anybody it's a, it's a family secret. I can see something like that happening. 
Bourbon on D Live sends much love. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Sorry, I can't post that. I, for, again, for some reason, I cannot see that. I mean, I can't put it up on the screen for other people to see it. But again, it's another animation for those of you who want to know what, what I'm talking about. Little animation thing here I received from Bourbon on D Live. I appreciate that. Senin Friend says, excellent reading. Thank you. Thank you very much. Randy says, hi, Chris. Good to see you, brother. Good to see you too, Randy. Go for it, Randy. Says, I heard the door say that only about 1% of Christians have the Holy Spirit inside of them. I wonder if that is true or in the ballpark. <laughs> honestly, Randy, honestly, it depends on how you define Christians, okay? Like, People who consider themselves to be Christian, Christian, honestly, I think that number's high. <laughs> I think that number's high. I think it's probably like zero point something for sure. But yeah, doesn't surprise me. Okay, so Byron says, have a great night, guys and girls. You too. Blessings, blessings multiplied to you, brother. So yes, that will wrap it up for, for tonight. Lord willing, we will be back again tomorrow night, same time, same place. While these days are going by fast, well, before you know it, it'll be Shabbat again. So yeah, same time, same place tomorrow. That's 7 p.m. Eastern. For those of you in other parts of the world, 7 p.m. Eastern, which is UTC minus five. Basically, it's almost like 7 p.m. New York time. Just think of it that way. 7 p.m. New York time. So we'll be back again tomorrow, Lord willing, and we will continue reading Numbers, the review of the journey from Egypt to Jordan. Awesome. Very interesting. Awesome. Question for Move says, Shalom, I'm back. Well, welcome, but we're, we're signing off here in just a few seconds. One John says, thanks. Christopher, have a, have a great night. And Randy says, Shalom, Christopher, and one John and everyone else. Yep, you too. Blessings multiplied to you. Justin says, thank you for doing these. Thank you for joining us. Be blessed. Blessings multiplied to you. KMJJ says, Shalom. Unite all. Shalom, shalom. All right, guys, as always, I pray the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you, lift up his countenance upon you, and give you wonderful, wonderful shalom. Amen. Amen. See you tomorrow night.